Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you got off with somebody, with some brother, with some sister, what does he say? He says, leave your gift at the altar. I don't want it yet. Go and be reconciled to your brother, your sister. Go do that first and then come back and offer it. I mean, that's when God said, look, what you want to do is a great thing. You want to bring an offer? You want to bring a gift to me? I want that gift. That's awesome. I want the gift, but I don't want the gift more than I want your, to be right with your brother. Go get right first. You're unclean in that sense. That's not right in my eyes. I want you to go make that right. Then come and we'll have fellowship. It'll be sweet. As Pastor Bill continues his teaching series through the book of Leviticus, he'll be exhorting you to focus on the heart of God when learning about his commands and instructions. The Lord was raising up a new nation, and he started them off by understanding the holiness of God and the importance of having good motivation. It's not enough to just offer God a gift. He desires your heart and for you to live a holy lifestyle. He wants all of you, not just an aspect of your life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 7 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. God had given very specific instructions about how the ark was to be carried in. It was to be by the, it was to be on poles and the guys were to carry it and they were to go, they were to bring it in just a certain kind of way. Well, the enemies, the, the pagans had the ark and they had put it on a cart, a new cart. And that, that seemed like a good idea. I mean, it rolled nice and smooth. And so uh, David rolled it back into town on a new cart and they were celebrating and just, woo, you know, God bringing back the ark. And there's it rolling on the new cart. The, the ark looked like it was going to fall and Uzzah reached up his hand to, to, to hold it in place and God struck him and he died. And David was bummed out and they left it. They didn't go no further. And David had to go back and, and look back at the law and, and realize that, no, we, we're supposed to carry that a certain kind of way. They eventually went back and got it the way God said. But they were doing a good thing, but they weren't doing it God's way. And it brought devastation. Um, something that that day that was to be a celebratory, awesome day was turned into uh, something really sad, something that was a bummer because they, they did a good thing the wrong way. So uh, here God says, hey, I want, I want us to have a peace offering. I want to I have peace with you. I want us to celebrate things together. Um, but I want you to do it the way I tell you to do it. I prescribed how it's to be done. And so I want you to do it the way I say, that it, that it could be a blessing. And um, when I was uh, younger, my mom would leave a list of chores for me and my sister, she would she would leave on a, for a Saturday. My mom would leave a list of chores, and if we did all of our chores, we'd get whatever the allowance was that she was, you know, offering us. And same thing, there were things that were to be done a certain way. Well, my dad, before he left, had put in this garage door that was it was some kind of wood that had to be it had to be there was this there was this treatment that had to go on it on a regular basis. So, uh oh, there was this treatment that had to go on it, and. It just took a long time. When you're a little kid, you had to run with the grain of the wood and you had to go from the bottom and you would work your way all the way to the top. And it just took, it took forever. It took all day. But I had found that if you took the water hose and sprayed it, like really, really sprayed it, when it was soaking wet with the water, it looked like it would look when you had wiped it real good. So it would not look like that for long, but it looked like that. So there was a few times where I didn't want to do the whole thing. And so I was timing when my mom was coming back and I just soaked it. I just soaked it. And then I had to wash a car too. So they're explaining all the water. I just soaked this thing with water and my mom drove up and it looked fine. But then if she would go out the next day, she would look and, and it's now nah, it doesn't look good. 
Uh, once the once the sun would get to it, it just take a couple hours, and then you're looking at it, and it just doesn't look right. It uh, it, it, you could tell that it, that it wasn't it wasn't oil on there. And um, in a sense, I, I looked like I had done the right thing, but I hadn't done it the right way. And so I had a few encounters with mom on that. And so there are things that God has said, look, I want you to do it. I want you to do it like this. I want it to be done this way that I might be glorified, that we might enjoy fellowship. And so. Um, God tells them, if you guys eat it beyond this day, um, it's going to be an abomination. Verse 22, it says, and he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Verse 18 again. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him, whoever, whoever offers it. And the person who eats it should bear the guilt. The flesh that touches that's verse 19. The flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. And as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. And so, well, verse 20 and 21 says, but the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord while he is unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness, or an unclean animal or any abominable, abominable, unclean thing and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord. That person shall be cut off from his people. So we have something kind of serious here because the result is going to be if you if you break this rule, you're going to be cut off. That means um, that you're going to be excommunicated. You're out. You cannot any longer enjoy the, the fellowship. You can't do all the things that God has made available to Israel. You're going to be cut out. You're going to be cut off. You're going to be cut out. So what's the big deal here? And this is what it is. If someone is ceremonially unclean, God says, then you can't participate. You can't offer this offering. You can't bring these things. You're not in condition to do it. You're ceremonially unclean. First get clean. First get right. Then you can come and do this. But if you come anyway, if you come in an unclean way and do it and we are aware of it, you're going to be cut off, not able to come back in. And this is the thing, because this offering was all about uh, fellowship. It was about the people and their, their intimacy and their fellowship with God. Um, but we remember that God is holy and God can't have fellowship with sin or uncleanness. And so if someone partook, if someone was unclean and they partook anyway, God said that they had to be cut off. They weren't to come and engage or interact like that. They had to be clean first. I was looking at this and just thinking that there, there's a few examples, a few things I can see in Scripture. One where God would say, hey, if you, you want to bring your gift to me. You want to worship me? You want to bring a gift to me? That's a good thing that you want to bring a gift to me. But if you got beef, if you got ought with somebody, with some brother, with some sister, what does he say? He says, leave your gift at the altar. I don't want it yet. Go and be reconciled to your brother, your sister. Go do that first and then come back and offer it. I mean, that's God said, look, what you want to do is a great thing. You want to bring an offer. You want to bring a gift to me. I want that gift. That's awesome. I want the gift, but I don't want the gift more than I want your to be right with your brother. Go get right first. You're unclean in that sense. That's not right in my eyes. I want you to go make that right. Then come and we'll have fellowship. It'll be sweet. Um, but God has given instruction like that. So for this group, God said, hey, if there's uncleanness, I want you to deal with that first. Then we can have communion and fellowship. And it's the same way for us. Can somebody go to church and sing worship songs and they're not saved? Yeah. Is it beneficial for them? No. No. Um, can somebody, you know, I mean, in, 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 in Matthew 7, you had some pretty phenomenal things being done by non-believers. They were prophesying, casting out demons and doing many wonderful works. But when it came down to the day of days and they stood before the king of kings, he says, 
I'm depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Like you never, you guys have never repented of sin. And while you were doing, I don't know what the motive was for doing all the stuff y'all were doing, but it wasn't the love for me. You didn't even know me. I don't even know you. Um, he doesn't say I knew you and we broke up and then we kind of was back and forth. He says, I never knew you. We were never in a relationship. And so, um, I mean, as I look at the New Testament, I see pictures of this where, yeah, they were people were bringing things and doing things. And God says, I know, but we weren't even right. They hadn't dealt with their uncleanness. And so we always want to deal with that first. If there's something in between you and God, always let that be the first. That's the biggest issue. Um, that's more important than serving. It's more important than something you might do for God is, is to be right with God. Um, let everything flow out of a right relationship with the Lord. That God, I'm, 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 my, my goal in life is to be right with you. My sins dealt with. Intimate fellowship, speaking with you, listening to you, hearing from you, and anything else. Let it flow out of that kind of relationship with the Lord. It'll be sweeter. It'll be better that way. It'll glorify God more that way. And so um, moving on now in um, verse, um, well, last verse of that, verse 21, it said, moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as a human uncleanness or the unclean animal is, uh, or any abominable unclean thing, and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. And so again, God said that the, the result would be severe. They would be cut off. Now, in verse 22 to 27, um, we talked about this when we first looked at it, but we're going to deal with the fat. God told him not to eat the fat. The fat was set aside for the Lord as there would be some of the offerings where there was a portion that was offered up to the Lord. And then there was a portion that the priest or the offerer would get to eat. And it seemed like God always had all the fat cut out. And uh, we talked about that when we first looked at it, that um, I mean, obviously there were some health benefits to that. You know, today, if someone's health conscious, you know, and you, you give a woman a, a big old steak with fat all over it, you know, she get her little knife and start cutting. You just got a little glob of fat off to the side and they cut all the fat off. You know, um, here God has said to them, he says, hey, I, that, that part's for me. Um, I don't want you guys to eat it. And uh, I just always think it's interesting. I mean, the Bible's not a health manual. It's not a it's not a science book or anything like that. But it's interesting when you look back at the laws and the rules and the things that God gave and you can see the wisdom in them today. I look at this and I'm like, there's wisdom in that, you know, um, obviously for them back here, um, the, the common thought back here was that the fat was the best part. When you barbecue something, what's the part that smells best? The fat. You know, that's why everybody loves to hear bacon. You love to smell bacon cooking. Bacon is mostly fat, but it smells good. Anybody, you got bacon going in the house and the kids start waking up. They wake up that they wake up for school early, you know, to get some bacon. You smell that going in the house. Um, it just it smells good. God, that's the part that's going up for me. Sweet smelling aroma. All mine. And the, the lean part, they were actually getting the good stuff. The lean meat. That's the part that I'm the flanks. And I'm, I'm, I'm setting that aside for you guys to eat. So um, while it was thought that God was getting the best part, uh, he was getting the best part for him. They were getting the best part for them. And it just should be a reminder to us that God always knows best. Um, I don't know that they understood back then how this was working, you know, but we can look at it now and see that benefit, you know, and, 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 and this is just part of the worship of the Lord. So I'm going to read verse 22 to 27. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, you shall not eat any fat of ox or sheep or goat. And the fat of an animal that dies naturally and the fat of what is torn by wild beasts 
may be used in any other way, but you shall by no means eat it. For whoever eats the fat of the animal of which men offer as an offering made by fire to the Lord, the person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall not eat any blood in any of your dwellings, rather of bird or beast. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. Um, and so here God says, you're not to eat the fat and you're not to eat the blood. Um, nothing with fat and anything with blood. So, you know, for a Jew today, if they're going to have food that's kosher, uh, it's got to be completely bled out. They can't, it can't have any blood in it at all, or it's not, it's not kosher. It wouldn't be right for them. And this is what God had laid out for them way back here. Um, he's given them some dietary laws and dietary restrictions. And uh, again, as I look at it, I just realize that, you know, for them, God had his purposes. Um, God had said, look, this is how this relationship we're going to have. This is how you're going to worship me. Um, this is what you're not going to have. This is what you're going to have. Um, and God has just given them rules and instructions. Now, did people struggle with that? You know, did the Israelites, as you move into a town with a bunch of pagans and everybody over there is eating bacon burgers and they got they got medium rare steaks. I mean, was it a stumbling block for them? Yeah, it was. Was it difficult? Sure it was. Did they not understand? I don't understand. Oh, God, we can have what we want to have. God, I don't understand. It's just like us. Right. You get some Christians and there's something that they want bad enough and that people start questioning God. I don't understand how come if God gave me these desires, how come I can't do what, you know, my desire, you know, and it's like, well, because God knows best. God knows that everything you desire is not good. So uh, it's the same thing. You walk it out and God's like, I just know best. Do you trust that? Do you trust that I love you? Do you trust that I know best? Do you trust that I have your best interest? That's what it'll come down to. Do you believe? Do you trust God? And so I challenge us with that tonight, that everybody would consider, do I trust God? Are there some things that God commands that are difficult? Absolutely. Today, there are things, there are things now that, man, it's difficult. It's not easy. There are things that God forbids now. It's hard to walk like that. Love your enemies? What? Slap you on the one cheek, turn the other cheek? Huh? <laughs> how do they do that? You know, how do you, I, need, I, need, I need more Holy Ghost. I need more. You know, like they're difficult things that God says, this is how I want you to walk, though. It's my will for your life. You want to honor me with your life? That's my will for your life. And, you know, we submit or we don't. We submit. We're blessed. We'll be blessed if we submit and yield to the Lord. And if we resist him, it'll, it'll, it'll hurt us. The Israelites that resisted this, the result was that they're going to be cut off. No fellowship. All the benefits cut. Is anything worth that? That's what I would challenge us to consider. Is there anything that's worth broken fellowship with the Lord to you? And I, I, I would hope that nobody would say, well, just one thing. This is worth it. You know, I think for most of us, we would say, no, no, nothing. What is worth? What's worth breaking up with the Lord? What's worth having broken fellowship? Nothing. Nothing's worth that. We don't, there, I don't think any of us would, you know, premeditatively say, you know, this sin right here, that sin is worth breaking up with the Lord, having broken fellowship with the Lord. I think we would say, no, nothing's worth that. And so we need to live like we believe that nothing's worth that. And so when you are tempted, when you are being lured offside, that we would just consider that. I mean, nothing's worth that. I want to be at peace with the Lord. Yes, I know he loves me. Yes, I know he shed his blood for me. Yes, I know he cleansed and forgives and he's merciful and all of that. But I want to be right with the Lord. I want to, I want to, be, I want to be in a right relationship with God ongoing. And so nothing's worth that. Don't want to be cut off from the Lord. And again, we have a much different relationship, right? Um, you know, we're not in a place. If you're born again, right, what can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. But don't you know there's consequences to misbehaving? 
um, because God loves you, says in Hebrews. He chastens those that he loves. And so anybody here has ever been spanked? Anybody here been chastened by the Lord? Anybody here experienced God's discipline? Yes? All right. We shy about that. A little bit. <laughs> the switch, you know. Uh, I, I have. And, and I knew it when it happened that it was discipline. Uh, there was no doubt in my mind. There have been times in my life where I messed up. And there was no doubt in my mind that the, 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 the consequence that followed, as soon as it happened, I knew that that happened because of that right there. And I remember at one point I was all bummed out. And God even ministered to me in that. He's like, at least you know you say. I only spanked my own kids. You know, but I realized that, man, God, God will get involved. And um, I don't want to spank from the Lord. <laughs> I, want to, I want peace with God. If you're his, God said, I'll get involved if I got to. And so, but even that, it's because he loves us. So uh, we don't want to let there be anything that we would say, man, this right here is worth it. Nothing's worth breaking fellowship. We want to be at peace with the Lord always. And so uh, moving on now, verses, um, verses 28 through um, verse 28. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, he who offers the sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hand shall bring the offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the breast he shall bring that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron and his sons. And so, again, there's going to be a wave offering and a heave offering. The two portions of meat, uh, they're going to wave the breast and they're going to heave the thigh. Um, and I guess before I read through the rest of it, the breast and the thigh of the offering are symbolic of two different things. The breast of is, is it speaks of divine affection, just closeness, intimacy with the Lord. So they were offering that up as a wave offering to the Lord. The thigh, um, for most animals and for human beings, the thigh is strong. The thigh is a big muscle. It speaks of divine power, divine strength. And so um, the two things, that the, the one that was waved, the breast, just the affection and the, the nearness and the sweetness and the intimacy with the Lord. And then the thigh, um, God's power, God's strength, the, both, both of those things, that's what they believed it was symbolic of. That's what they, they would wave one and heave the other. These were offered up to the Lord and they'd be shared also with the priests. And so in verse 33, it says, he among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering and the fat shall have the right thigh for his part. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering I have taken from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their place, their peace offerings. And I've given them to Aaron, the priest and to his sons from the children of Israel by statute forever. This is the consecrated portion for Aaron and his sons for the offerings made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister as the Lord to minister to the Lord as priest. So let me bring this up again because we're seeing the same thing again. God is now again. This is the third time in the same chapter where God is making sure that the servants are taken care of. Earlier on, the priests they're taken care of. Then there's an extra portion for the the other people in the in the that are serving in that way, taken care of with the the different peace offerings, the grain as that was brought that that was going to be shared among them with all the people. And now. God says, I want to make sure you guys understand. I told Aaron and his sons to serve in this way. And so now after the heave offering, after the wave offering, that's to be given to them. That's going to be a portion that's given to them. And so I would just point it out once more. 
that God is making sure that those that are serving him, they're taken care of. Are you worried about that? Are you concerned? Do you have worries or things in your life that you're saying, man, I, I don't think God's taking care of me. My needs are not met. I don't see, I don't see it happening for me. I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about that. I want to read you 4 to 34 of Matthew chapter 6. It says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather in the barns. Your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now God so clothed the grass of the field, which is, which is, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, which would be the non-believers, seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom of God and all this righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so anyone struggling, worrying, just looking at things, they're not done. God said, don't worry. Just be faithful. Don't worry. Just seek me first. My kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added. I will take care of you. So here, as God is laying out the priesthood and laying out Aaron and his sons and directing them what to do, he's making sure that in the midst of all that, he's making sure that their needs are going to be met. And so he said it over and over again uh, within this, this little section, this little check, section of scripture here, 35 and 36 now. This is the consecrated portion of Aaron for Aaron and his sons from the offering made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priest. The Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel on that day, and he anointed them by statute forever throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecration, and the sacrifice of peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So we conclude this section on these particular offerings, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the different consecrations, things set apart for God, the peace offerings, and all the things that God has laid out. Um, in summary of all that, because I, as I keep reading through it, I'm like, man, God, it seemed like it was hard for me. I kept reading through the chapter six, five, six, and seven. It's like this sin and, and sacrifice and sin and sacrifice and taking care of this, take care of that. And God says, hey, I, it's, it's, that's one thing. Is, what do y'all do most often? Like, man, I know, Lord, but dang, you know, we sin, we mess up, we break rules, we break commandments. So God's, I'm making sure that that gets taken care of. For them back then, they weren't washed in the blood of Jesus. It, they didn't have a once and for all sacrifice. And so they needed to be, they needed to know what to do to get it right so that we could be right again. And so again, as I look at that and I study it, I, I, my appreciation, not that I didn't appreciate already the blood of Christ, not that I didn't appreciate already what Christ has done, but it's greater. I'm thankful for what he has done. But I did want to point this out. I believe there's a point. Why is God making sure that they know how to deal with their sin? Because God said, I got a, I got a plan for you after sin. Um, I want to deal with sin so that 
So that what? So that we can, have, we can be at peace, so that there can be fellowship, so that we can do some other things. For the priests, they had to deal with sin so that they can continue serving. So they, they messed up. If something wasn't right with the priests, if they were unclean, they had to deal with their things so that they can continue to serve God in the way they were called to serve God. For the people, if they had sin, they had to deal with their sins so they could be at peace, so they could worship, so they could engage, so they could interact, and so that they could serve and do the things God had called them to do. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Thanks for tuning in. Leviticus is often a book that gets overlooked and misjudged. Though it seems to be full of meaningless and insignificant rules, nothing can be further from the truth. All of Scripture is so important to understanding not only your faith, but also the heart of God. When God created the Ten Commandments, they weren't meant to control. They were meant to help guide. God desires for all His children to understand that life in Him can be full and rich. And that's all God wants for you too. But He won't force you to live in Him or live by His guidance. You get to choose it. What a gift! If you're looking to dive deeper into Leviticus or other scriptures, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word of God on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support a transforming word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining Pastor Bill again next time, right here on A Transforming Word.